Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. After struggling to turn a profit her first few years in business, today's guest managed to turn it all around and skyrocket the profit in her floral design business from zero to over $70,000 in just one year, all while raising three small children. Named a top wedding planner by Southern Living Magazine, her stellar wedding and floral work has been featured in People Magazine, Once Wed, Cottage Hill, and Style Me Pretty, among others. Inside her much-raved-about signature course and tell-all business memoir, The Business Behind the Blooms, she provides a highly educational, behind-the-scenes look at her multiple six-figure floral design business model, from sales processes to proper pricing to proposals, educating other floral designers on how to make money, save time, and grow their team with confidence, hope, and courage. I'm excited to introduce you to the founder of Zimmerman Education, Jessica Zimmerman. Hey, Jessica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Um, I know you've got a really interesting story. It involves more than one business. It involves sickness. It involves pivoting. It involves hobbies and, and all sorts of things. I would love if you kind of rewind us back to the very beginning and and give us a little insight into what made you jump into entrepreneurship the first time? So I kind of always knew I wanted to own my own business from 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 a little a girl, to be honest. I I didn't really, maybe I didn't have the language for that at the time, but I just knew that I wanted something a little bit more than I saw in my own home, in my own uh, town. The My sister died when I was little, when I was three and she was eight. And so because of that, my mom put all of her energy into her sur- one surviving child. And my mom and dad have an, an amazing marriage and, and their relationship really works well for them. Um, but I just knew that I wanted something different. My dad would go to work and my mom would take care of everything with the house. I mean, if the, if the garage door stopped working, I mean, that was, she was on it. She was calling people and, and everything. And, and she, took and still continues to take great pride in her, in her job. I mean, it is a job to, to keep a house and to raise a family and everything. But I just knew, I think really what it stemmed, if we're just getting round, like down to the core of it, for me, I thought, because my mom had a difficult time when I went to college. And I think it's because this person who, you know, she had kind of centered her life around was now gone. Like her job was now gone. And what do you do now when your identity is wrapped in being this? And I just feel like I knew 
that I wanted, like if, if, if for some reason we got in a car accident and every member of my family was gone, what is something that I would have that is just mine? That doesn't have to do with my husband. That doesn't have to do with my children. That, that is just mine. And so I just have always kind of known that, that I wanted to have my own business. And so that's kind of where the, I guess the, the thought behind that came from. And I just really wanted to be in charge of my own time. Uh, I think I obviously know from, from my childhood experience that, you know, a lot of people walk around and say life is short. We're not promised tomorrow. And I've really lived my days knowing that from a very, very, very young age, from the tender age of three, I have known that tomorrow is not guaranteed. And so to me, a corporate job didn't entice me in, in, you know, one iota because at the time, maybe it's different, but when I was in college, it was, you know, you get two weeks vacation and then you're going to have to work up for every other day. And I thought, gosh, I want to travel the world. Like I want to see everything. And I don't want to be, I don't want to have to ask permission to go to my kids' preschool Valentine's Day party at school. You know, I just really wanted to be in control of my time. And so I guess that's how entrepreneurship became. The only way I knew how to do that was to own my own business. So, yeah. So did you ever go a traditional job route or did you just jump right into entrepreneurship in the beginning? So when I was 14, I got a job at a local photography studio and I just kind of shadowed him and just did little things. I mean, I could only work for about an hour and a half after school because they closed at six and I couldn't get there until, you know, four uh, after school. But I just kind of helped out and I saw his wife come in and his children come in and he got to talk to them. And like every now and then I got to go visit my father at work, but it wasn't like that. I mean, they came in almost every day and I thought how neat that was. And then I, a couple years later, I worked for a family run restaurant. I was a server at a barbecue restaurant and it was the grandfather had started it. The the son was now, um, uh, his son was now the owner, but the grandfather still was there and hung out and talked to people. And then the grandson was going to take over. And again, it was just this, this feeling of family. And maybe there was also this feeling of like, uh, how cool that was because part of my family was gone. And this was a way you got to see your family more often, you know, if you own your own business and then what's interesting, you know, I've never really thought of it this way until you guys, and I've, I have answered this question a lot and this is interesting. Um, but then I went to college and after college, I sat on the couch for a year because I didn't know what to do, but I ended up working at a local kitchen supply store because the business owners were the only two people I knew who owned their own business and seemed to be doing it well and I actually knew them. Like my parents we're kind of friends with them. And, and I thought, well, they'll probably give me a job. And so I went and I learned everything I could from them. But once again, it was a family run business and, um, the whole family worked there. And well, I I didn't necessarily want that. I didn't want to work with my family. I wanted this to just be mine because I wanted something that, you know, if something were to happen, um, I guess it was a, a sense of protection in a way. Um, but I wanted to learn from these people and, yeah, so I've I've never I've never really worked a corporate job. It's never never ever ever been remotely enticing to me. And it's interesting that just as as fate would have it, or however you want to however you want to phrase that, 
that all of the jobs that you have held have tied into that family, that family business, familypreneurship concept. And I love that you talked about your your upbringing. It's interesting to me too. My my dad died when I was eleven, so mm. different situation. But having um, that that trauma that kind of lives inside of mm-hmm. you of losing a loved one when you're little, but my dad was entrepreneurial. And so mm-hmm. it's like that, that, and he, I was at his job, maybe not every day, but it felt like it, like frequently. Yeah. So I do want to work with my family. Yeah. It's just interesting to see how that impacts. Right. You want it to be your own, whereas I want to mm-hmm. bring my family into it and, and the mm-hmm. different reasons for that. So I really appreciate right. you sharing that story. I feel yeah, like absolutely. It gives everybody something to think about, you know, how mm-hmm. their, how their childhood is impacted. Right. Absolutely. Their entrepreneurial vision. Now, what was the first, tell me a little bit about the first business you started, because I know that's not the business you're running now. So I bought a business called A Southern Tradition, which was a local wedding and event rental store. And I thought, well, this is great. Yeah, I'll, rentals actually to me seemed like a breath of fresh air after being in retail with the kitchen store for four years, because with retail, you're constantly having to um, reorder, restock your inventory claim damages and reorder again. It just seemed like we were constantly reordering. And so rentals actually seemed like a little bit of a burden. I thought you buy it once and you, you just, it leaves for the week and it comes back. Like how, how wonderful is that? And to be honest, I was so desperate to just own my own business that I would have done anything. Uh, I, you know, a lot of people in the wedding industry are in the wedding industry because they love weddings and they're in the floral industry because they can't imagine their life without touching a flower. And I'm not that person. Like I, I just wanted to own my own business and I did not care what that was. And I could have, I would have sold knives for a living almost did. And, um, I just wanted to own my own business. So the rentals was intriguing to me because I thought, well, gosh, you could probably make a ton of money you're just renting the same thing over and over again. And coming from retail, I thought that makes a lot of sense. Well, what I didn't take into consideration, what I didn't learn until I was in it was we really weren't set up to be a rental business. I mean, the whole reason to go into business for myself was to be in control of my time and to have as much time as I possibly could with people that I love outside of work. And I was working 16 hour days and because the the store was open between you know ten and five, but then at five o'clock I had to um, get all the things ready that people needed. So I had to wash linens, dry linens, iron linens, clean chairs, clean tables, and we didn't have enough money to have like a big staff. We had a couple you know like college employees that came in for a few hours a day, but nothing. We didn't have you need a team, you need a freaking, you know, like warehouse manager and, and a driving and a logistics manager. You need all kinds of things. And this was all me. Like I had this big box truck and I was cleaning, I was cleaning tables. I was loading them in this box truck. I was driving this box truck. I mean, it's a, it's a miracle. No one got hurt. I was, (laughs) you know, delivering these things, setting them up. And, um, for all the day deliveries and my husband would help me at night and we just, it got to be too much and it got to be where the business was making good money, but it was spending almost all the money. So it was, it might have made $30,000 a month, but it was, it was spending $30,000 a month and I could just never really catch up. 
And so really the, the kicker for me was when my daughter was about six months old, I came home and I reached out for her and she didn't want me. And I thought, okay, this isn't good. This isn't good. She would rather be with her grandmother who was keeping her because that's who she sees all day. And I thought it's because, and I think that day I had honestly worked like 18 hours or something. It was crazy. And I thought, okay, something has to change. And so I knew that I could make this work. I just needed time. Like I honestly, at at this point, it wasn't even about succeeding. It was about not failing. If that makes sense. I just wasn't going to be a failure at this because I had already felt like a failure in so many ways and other things. And this was just, this is really when this kind of sheer determination came out in me that I didn't really know was there, but just this grit, this grind, this determination to not fail. And so I went to the bank. I don't know how they, why they did, but I, I asked for a thousand dollar loan because let me just say the financials of the business did not support me getting this loan, but they, I guess I'm a good salesman. They gave it to me and I took that and I was able to take four months off to, I could let the business survive, pay the mortgage and pay the, you know, do all that. But I took those four months and I learned from business consultants. I listened to podcasts, read books. I went to workshops. I learned from the best of the best. I spent time with my CPA, with financial advisors, with, you know, just, and I started studying business at its core. And I didn't really study necessarily like wedding rentals. I just was starting to study like what makes a successful person. And through that process, I mean, and I'm someone who, when I'm in, I'm all in, like it's a little bit of an obsession. It's not always healthy, but I became really obsessed with successful people. What are their habits? Uh, And I started learning that, that it's all pretty similar. Like it's just, it just has to do with building the foundation of your business. And I didn't have a good foundation. And when you, obviously when you don't have a good foundation, every time something happens, every time it rains, it's something bad's going to happen. And so you're, and then you're cleaning up the mess and you're basically just hanging on tight till the next rain. But when you have a solid foundation, you can continue to build another story and another story and another story. I mean, the sky's the limit. And so it really was asking myself, you know, first and foremost, just things like, what do you really want in life? Like, what do you want to do? Like if, if your bank account were completely full and no one depended on you for anything, like, what would you do? How would you spend your time? And it kind of actually began with just breaking down just like the hours of a day and saying, well, I would wake up at this time. And I would have an hour to myself before my baby wakes up and before my husband wakes up, just to have time to myself. I would, you know, have an hour with my daughter. I'd take her to school, no one else. Then I'd go to work and I just, I would just want to work with like appointments. Like I don't want this revolving door of people who come in asking to use my bathroom or asking me for directions or asking, you know what I mean? And I wish I didn't have to have this landline phone because that's the same thing. People just calling and And I wish I could just have a cell phone that could turn up like just all these things. And then I started to think, well, why can't I do those things? And so I decided to make a deal with a guy who actually owned a really amazing rental company who was set up for rentals, um, a town over. And he had, you know, huge warehouses and like a team of people and tons of trucks and all that. And I made a deal with him for him to house the rentals. 
And then I thought, oh my gosh, now I've got money coming in every month from this, but I'm not having to do anything. Like, isn't that incredible? And so we had done a few wedding flowers during this time, like maybe six or seven a year, just small floral. And I thought, well, what if I did that? Like, I might only make 10 grand a month, but I'm only spending four. So maybe the revenue isn't as large, but man, the profit's better. And I just, I, and, and I had the 6,000 square foot building. I rented out the front three to someone else and kept the back three for myself and, and just really started to make smarter decisions based on the life I wanted, not necessarily the way the business should be. I started making decisions based around the life I wanted and those became my black and white boundaries. And that became like, because before business was very gray. And after that point, everything was black and white. If it caused me to be there later than three o'clock, the answer was no. If it caused me to be there earlier than 8am, the answer is no. If it, you know, these things, and I just wanted to kind of regain back control of my life. And that's how that happened. Yeah. So I know you talked about the foundation not being there. It also sounds like, though, the with the the rental business, that the the passion wasn't really there. And I'm wondering when you branched off into focusing on florals, did you have that that passion for what you were doing, like the creativity or the design, or was the passion more knowing that it would get you to the end goal? What's funny is I didn't have an end goal. I mean, what it, it, it's such a good question because for me at that moment in time, it was just about not failing and it was about regaining time, um, not being on this hamster wheel anymore. The one thing that I can give myself credit for is that I always kind of follow this curiosity and I'm okay not knowing, like, I hope if I live to be 80 years old, I hope I'm not doing, I'm, I hope I'm not doing this for the next 50 years. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be, um, I'm sorry, 43 years. Let's not get that, you know, confused, but, um, <laughs> but I don't, I, I really love the idea of not knowing. I try to kind of look at my life a year at a time. And I think when I look at my life a year at a time, it's way more manageable. Like it's way more forgiving and there's not some crazy expectation that I have to have achieved this by this age or, or what it's just, what do I want to do this year? And so that particular year I wanted to do floral design. And what's funny is once again, there wasn't necessarily this passion, this burning passion for flower, for floral design. There are so many people that are better at floral design than me. There are so many people that wake up every day and they just can't imagine this life without designing flowers for people. I, through, you know, grit and determination honed a craft for this, but I'm in no way an expert. I'm in, I'm in no way consider myself at the, at the top of the leaderboard of this. Um, I just honed a craft I was able to do it. I was able to make good money because I had figured out the foundation of business. And that's all that I was, I was okay with that. And my goal was that by the time my daughter finished kindergarten, that I would have gotten my business to a point where I could take off the entire summer. And now you got to get your business pretty good because summer is for us, 
that's the time when people are getting married. And so I thought that's going to be, that's, that's a pretty big goal, but I can do that. I believe I can do that. And then I remember the next year saying like, okay, my ultimate goal would be able to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, like be able to bring home a hundred thousand dollars a year salary and only have to do four weddings a year. Like that would be amazing. But now hear me say that sounds crazy because at the time I was doing, I wasn't paying myself anything. I think that first year that I paid myself something, I think I paid myself 15, maybe $16,000. So that's a one five, not a five Oh. Right. Um, <laughs> and before that, I took home nothing. And so to think that in within a couple of years that you could jump that that high and that you could go from doing, you know, like 30 weddings to doing four, it's pretty ambitious. But that was kind of my only, that was like the biggest goal for me at that point. And so it was, I guess, 2018 was the year that I, that happened for me. And once I've kind of achieved what I need to achieve, or I've kind of hit the top in my opinion, maybe it's not the top of everyone's goal list, but for me, like in 2018, I brought home a, I brought home a hundred thousand dollar salary. I had, I did that with four weddings. I had gotten my work featured in people magazine in Martha Stewart weddings. Like to me, that was like the Oscar of, of, of the wet of the wedding world. And I just kind of thought, well, what else is there to do? Like what else is there? And some people just love this, but to me, like you're it's there's some monotony to it. Cause even though it's a new couple and it's a new color palette and it might be a new venue, the process is still the exact same. And when you have multiple clients, even if it's just four per year, you're still going through this process four different times the same one every year. And it's just, it it was no longer challenging for me. And so I just needed to do something else. But what's interesting is I didn't, I never knew what that was. In 2016, I booked my first $100,000 wedding. And that was a big deal. Because I mean, before that, I'd only done like $20,000 florals and, you know, things like that, which were also a huge deal. Because before that, I was only doing like, 2000. So, so that's, that's a hundred thousand dollars in flowers. Correct. So the wedding, so the wedding was much more. Yeah. So the, the, I thought, okay, well, I've figured out how to do this. And I live in a small town in Arkansas and I used to think, well, you only get those big things if you live in a big city. And I thought, well, no, okay. So I've, I've, figured this out. I've got this. So I'm going to, I'm going to share about it because I had a low season. Everyone's uh, every year. Our low season was January, February, March. Like no one was really coming in. They weren't doing anything. And so I just thought a good business person utilizes their low season. And so I just decided to write down everything that I had done from, you know, the moment that I decided to change my business to then and w- everything that I did, and I shared everything. I mean, I shared my contracts, I shared um, my pricing guides, I shared all of my spreadsheets, I shared my email templates, like everything. And I put it in like a locked PDF. Like I didn't even know about like Kajabi and online courses and like all that at the time. I just kind of thought, 
I'm going to put it in this locked PDF. And if anyone wants to buy it, we'll sell it. I had 300 followers on Instagram at the time. I had zero people on a newsletter list and we wrote, I wrote it and I, I had my assistant Kelly. I had her like upload it. She learned the program in design and made it pretty and she uploaded it. And I started this thing. I was like, I'm going to do eight weeks of free floral classes just to kind of like on Instagram, just to get a little bit of maybe I didn't have any advertising money or anything like that. And this was all just a, not even an experiment. It was just something to fill the time. And I thought if I sell one, then like, great. And also to me personally, I thought, and now I've got it documented. Like I'll have that forever. It's written down like how I did that. And almost as like a journal or a diary. And that April I launched it. I sold it for a thousand dollars because it was everything. And, um, I sold 44. So I made $44,000. Um, and I just thought, well, that was great. Awesome. And I didn't ever think I would sell it again. I didn't ever think I never, it never, ever, ever crossed my mind that I was going to go into education. It never crossed my mind that I, I think I knew that I wasn't going to do weddings forever, but I didn't know what the next step was. I just honestly continued to follow anytime I got this like, huh, thought in my head, like, huh, what if you wrote about that? Well, I wrote about it and then sold that. And what started happening is we started getting these testimonies coming in completely unsolicited. We did not ask for them. They start coming in just saying how like Jessica, my business, like I've never, ever booked more than $2,000 and I just booked a 20,000 one, one week after reading your, your course, people were calling it a course and, um, just things like that. I've, I've always hated the sales process and now I love it. I've never had confidence and now I do. I mean, just these things that I was like, what? And then I had people start contacting me and saying like, when are you selling this thing again? So it was starting to get out. And again, I think I grew my Instagram following from 300 to 700 at that time. Like it was not much, but we sold it again in September, just a few months later. And we sold 220. And so that next year we were doing a little bit of education with weddings. And that's when 2018 was the year that, you know, we got the people magazine, the Martha Stewart. And I thought, okay, I think that this chapter's closed. Like I think it's, it's done. And so we just decided in 2019, we were going to focus solely on education. And even a little bit this year, I've kind of been like, am I going to do this forever? Like, what is, what is going on? Like, I don't really know, but, um, my, uh, my book comes out in April, April 7th. And I don't know where that's going to take me or what road it's going to take me, but I just think that because it has nothing to do with the wedding industry or, or business or anything, but it's just been interesting to kind of follow that curiosity and, and see where it, see where it goes. Well, you can't tease us with oh. a book <laughs> like that. It's not wedding. It's not floral. It's not business. So what is this book? <laughs> so uh, the book is called sleeping with a stranger. You can go to sleeping with a stranger.com and sign up for, you know, the, uh, notifications or, or, um, when it's going to be released and all the information about that, the book tour and all that stuff. But, um, and if you're interested in that course, I was just talking about, you can go to the business behind the blooms.com and find out more about that. But the book, so basically 
there was this drive, that, something that I haven't mentioned is um, I have my, my daughter, but then I had uh, twin boys in 2015. And about six weeks after my boys were born, my husband, who was a financial advisor um, and who fully supported our family, because in 2015, I wasn't bringing home hardly anything. Um, he started getting really sick and he was in and out of the hospital. And so I had basically three babies at home because my daughter was not even two years old yet. And he was in and out of the hospital. I had these twin newborns and I just knew that it was only a matter of time until Brian lost his job because there just was no way that, you know, I'm a business person and I know that, you know, it's nothing personal, but if you can't show up for your job, like a business can't keep you around just because you're a nice guy. And Brian is the most likable human being on the planet, but I just knew that eventually he was going to be like, Oh, and it, it didn't look like he was getting any better. And I just thought there was a point that I really, really wondered if he was, I started preparing for as if, he, if he were to die, because it, it looked like that a few times. Um, I mean, when you have a doctor saying he's dying, <laughs> you're, you, you're like, okay. Um, so I got real serious. I think they're out of fear, really. I just kind of really tried to grow this business and, um, tried to make it to where if something were to happen to him, that I could support these three kids. And you're talking to someone who's never had to support herself ever. I mean, I, my, my sister passed away, so it was just me and my dad worked very hard and he, I had everything I ever needed. He's, he funded my college education, which I feel bad about because I think I got nothing out of it, but I, I, I thank him for that. But, um, and then I married Brian and he took care of me. So you're talking to someone who has never really had to, she's always had someone take care of her. And this was a really scary defining moment. And I thought, I've got to figure this out. Even if he is okay, he's going to lose his job and who knows how long it's going to be until he gets another one. And so the book is really about, the book is a memoir and it, it talks about my childhood it talks about um, a lot about that time, those kind of four years between 2015 and now, um, and just marriage and commitment. And I mean, I think when you take those vows and you say in sickness and in health, when you take those vows at 23, which is crazy, I can't believe I got married at 23, but when you take those vows at 23, you think that's going to be when you're 70, 80, 90 years old. Like you don't think you're going to be 30 and 31 and, and dealing with what we had to deal with. And so it's about, it's about that. Wow. Well, that I'm glad that you, I'm I'm glad you explained it. And I think (laughs) it sounds really, I mean, just this little snippet, this little podcast episode it's clear that you've got a great story. So I can't wait to see how that memoir has played out. When did you say that comes out again? It'll be on uh, bookshelves April 7th, um, 2020. Um, You can get it uh, at Amazon and all those places, but you can go to sleepingwithastranger.com and you can sign up to get notified when it's available. But also I believe after April 7th, it'll be available to purchase there as well. And your husband's doing better now? 
Yes, he's much better. Thank you. Good. He's much, much better. But that journey, man, it's a doozy and it's it's in there. And I think there's a lot of people that can relate. I've had a few people read it. The editor, I actually just got it back from the editor this week. And she said, uh, these are her words, not mine. She was like, this is absolutely fantastic. It's going to help so many people because there's just different things. Like, like you can relate to losing someone as a child. It talks about that. There are people that can relate to being a caregiver. Um, and it talks about that. There are people who can relate to doing things, um, completely out of fear. Um, you know, so we touch on that. I mean, there's just a, several different, I think, nuggets that, that are, that are relatable. I do have to tell you though, when I wrote it, I, I had to write it. I, I, I envisioned my best friend in jail and this is, she, she's never been to jail. She's like the, she's like the, she's super good, goody, goody. But, um, but she's the least judgmental human being I know. And I just imagined her in jail and she sent me a letter and she said, I have zero contact with anybody. I can't talk on the phone. I can't do anything. The only thing I can do is read an email. And so I need you to tell me everything. And, um, and so I wrote it as if I was just writing it to her because I knew that she wouldn't judge me for any of it because it doesn't have me in the best of lights. Uh, at, you know, it really doesn't. And so, but now I can't, I kind of can't believe that I'm going to let other people read it. But, um, but that's the only way if I thought about the fact that other people would read, it, if I thought that I think you were going to read it, I probably would have left out 60% of it. And so it had to be written that day. And I wrote it in six days because I just had to, I, I got a hotel room in Little Rock and I told my husband, like, I've got to be gone for a week. And I just went and locked myself in a room for a week and wrote it um, from the beginning to the end. Cause that was the only way that I was going to get it out. So That's yeah. Incredible. Thanks. <laughs> well, it'll be really interesting to see where your 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 business, but just you go after that happens because I know you never really know. So I want to jump back a little bit. Yeah, talked about um, the course now. Okay, let me let me think. I've got like four questions. Yeah, I want to know the course. Is it only for floral businesses? And do you offer anything? If it is for floral businesses, do you offer anything for other? businesses. Yes. So we have four, four, uh, four online courses and we've got several just online classes. And let me just say the difference in those. An online course is going to be something that is more intense, more in depth, take it at your own pace. And an online class is just one, maybe one hour session. So I have a class called the booking reboot that would be good for anybody in any kind of business that's having to deal with booking clients. So if your business depends on booking clients, then this class is really, really great. It's called the booking reboot. Um, all of these things you can find at ZimmermanEvents.com. There's an education side and there's a wedding side. If you go to the education side and you go to the resource hub, you'll be able to find all of these. Um, after March 1st, 2020, you can find all of this at jessicazimmerman.com. <laughs> but until then, um, it's, you're still going to go to Zimmerman events. So um, there's that. The Business Bound and Blooms is the signature course. It's the biggest course. It's the most expensive course. And it really is for anyone in the wedding industry. We have a course called Know Your Numbers that is for any type of business as well. 
Um, it's even for, to be completely honest, there is half of it is really for personal finances. And so I think even if you don't have this entrepreneur, your own kind of your own business and you're working in the corporate world, but you want help with your personal finances, I think that this is more than worth it. Um, it's how we handle personal finances, how we handle our business finances, how we set our sales goal and how we know how much I can pay myself and how much I can pay my team or how can I hire someone on. It answers so many questions and it's called know your numbers. You can go to know your numbers education for that. We have the power of pinning. You can go to the power That is for anyone who needs to get sales from their website. I mean, anyone who, so if you've got any type of product that you are selling on a website, then this is for you a hundred percent. It's called the power of pinning. And then we have um, one called a winning website. And so, because I get asked all the time to look at people's websites and 99.9% of the time, I'm like, this is horrible. And I'm just really honest with them um, because your online presence is really so important today. And you've got to, if you've got a winning website, then you're going to have a winning business. And so a winning website is, is really great for anyone as well. So, yeah. Well, that's great. I think a lot of people, myself included, um, you know, we don't go to school for business. We don't set out to be business owners. We are setting out to be successful women, wives, mothers, Mm -hmm. and then something or another. I mean, I relate a little bit to your story because I'm the one that almost died in my family. Mm. Um, with my third pregnancy. And it's like, you're faced with these situations that, that really pull you into entrepreneurship and it looks easy. Mm. You know, it looks easy enough. It looks rewarding, Uh, but there's, there's all of those hidden things that, you know, if you didn't go to school for business, you're not familiar with the numbers or right. What else goes into having a a strong foundation? Well, and and I believe that people go into it with the best of intentions. And to be honest, I think that I really feel strongly that I was meant to go into the wedding field because I didn't know a thing about it. I was meant to fail miserably so that I uh, would learn it and that I would not only learn that, but just learn the foundation of business. And something that's very different about me than a lot of educators is I'm willing to share every single bit of it. Like I'm not dependent on my wedding business making me money. So I'm not going to share 70% or 80% with you. I'm going to share a hundred because you're not, it's not going to work for you if I only give you a little bit. Um, But I believe that all of that kind of happened so that I could share how you actually become successful at entrepreneurship. Um, and cause I mean, now we have a full education business and we're very successful at that. And so this foundation of business really does work for any business. I've had people buy the business behind the blooms and who have nothing to do with the wedding industry and have said that they love it, that it has changed their business. They just are able to, you know, not every single chapter might apply, but the majority of them do. And you can, you can take out the word flowers and you can add the word hairstylist or whatever you need to do. But going back, I think that people go into business with the best of intentions, but I think that they go into it with the product or the, or the service. And they think, wow, I paint these Christmas ornaments and I can sell those on Etsy and make a ton of money. And that's all they think about is, is that Etsy account and those ornaments. And they're not thinking about, 
the foundation, which is, uh, does your contract hold up in court? Um, does your, uh, what, what's the client onboarding process? How do you get people to even know that you have ornaments for sale on Etsy? What does your advertising, uh, structure look like? Just all of these, how are you going to respond? What do you do and what do you not do? And do you pay for shipping? Do you include shipping? And so you inflate the price a little bit to include shipping so you can say no shipping. You know, like what's your strategy? They just go into it and put it out there. And then they start getting some trouble and some some things like, oh, this client's mad because of this, because they didn't think about that before. They didn't start with the foundation. And then it gets hard and then they give up. And that was really my biggest thing is if I did not have this sheer determination to not fail, then I probably would have had to declare bankruptcy and, and quit. And I think I would have gone the rest of my life just feeling like a huge failure. And I know that there are women every day who have a really great idea, who put it out there and they didn't build the foundation because they didn't know how, or they didn't even know that there was a foundation that needed to be built. They didn't even know it. That's what I mean. They go into it with the best of intentions and then it gets hard and then they get into some business trouble or some, or some legal trouble or something and they quit because they don't know what to do. They don't know what, how to change it or, or, and I think there's so many women out there who probably quit and then they beat themselves up the rest of their life about it. Or they feel like a failure. They feel like they're not a good example for their kids or whatever. And I just thought, I don't want that. Like I want women to realize, no, you can do this. And then you can let it be your decision whether you want to walk away or not. But don't let, don't let, because it got hard, make you quit. Now, that's amazing. I think that's great. Um, (laughs) I do want to make sure to ask you about your family now. So how old are your kiddos now? My daughter is six. My twin boys are four. And are they watching you build this business, are they showing any entrepreneurial tendencies or interests? You know, I don't think that they, I'm, when they're home, I'm home. And I think sometimes I have to, like, we have to remind them that I have a job (laughs) because I think I, my whole goal was when they're home, I want to be home. Like all this summer, I didn't work a bit this summer. I was home with my kids all summer and we went to the pool and we went to the movies and we hung out at the house. And I. But I do work really hard. I have a podcast episode. You can go to ZimmermanPodcast.com and learn about it. But there's a, a podcast episode where I talk about, um, I think it's called like raising humans, not children or something like that. Well, I don't know. But um, it really talks about how I want to set them up for success in the world. And I think that there's more to life than school. I mean, you clearly know this because you're on the road with your kids. Good for you. It's my dream. I want to do it. Um, But I don't know if there's really much of anything other than some math and reading that I, and writing that I really took from school, if I'm being completely honest, you know, that I use in my everyday life. The things that I use in my everyday life are things that I have learned on my own and things that you need to know, just things like, things like a budget. Things like how you, the value of a freaking dollar, things like, you know, I remember I, like I got pulled over because I didn't know that you had to assess your car. Like who tells you that? Who Did people not like, when does someone teach you about that? Things need to like, I don't know. I just want to prepare them for the world. I like to 
watch them and see, because I believe at this young of an age, what they're naturally gifted and talented at doing shows. I think as Stella starts to get a little bit older, you know, she loves drawing so much. And there's going to come a day where someone tells her her drawing is ugly or makes fun of her for doing that. And she's going to stop drawing. And it's my job to go, huh, you haven't drawn in a couple of weeks. What's up? And to remind her that who cares what that person said, this is your gift. And I think that so many people get to be 18 and they, they go, they're asked, what do you want to do with your life? And they're like, I don't know. I don't have any passion. I don't have anything I'm good at, which isn't true because you were born with things that you were interested in. The problem is somewhere, and you may not even remember it, someone told you that that wasn't good or that wasn't cool or that it was ugly or that that's dumb. And you believed it. And my job is to really pay attention at this young age of what my children are naturally gifted at and to not let them forget that and to let them know that they don't have to go to college. There's more than one way to, if they want to, by all means, but if, if um, there's more than one way to make a living and they don't have to, I want them to know that they can take care of themselves. And I want them to know more, more than anything in the world. I want them to know that the three of their, the three of them are going to have three completely different definitions of success and that that is more than okay. And that we are going to support everyone's different definition of success. My husband, Brian's definition of success is vastly different than my definition of success, but we support each other in their definition. If one of my kids vision of success is a certain, uh, you know, level of, of something like maybe they want to be a certain kind of doctor or something. And the other, and I have another child whose, whose biggest definition of success is maybe being able to, to canoe every weekend. And, and they don't, they've got this job, but they're able to canoe every weekend. There's one of these definitions is no greater than the other. And that is my biggest job is to teach them that my only expectation of them is to be kind to one another. And my only um, requirement is that we are supportive of each other's different definitions of success. I think that's beautiful. And Thank you. it's very consistent with, but much better said than what, with what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I always tell them as long as it's safe and it's legal, like those are mm-hmm. my two rules. There you go. But I there love you go. that. And I'll tell you, people ask me all the time about a homeschooling curriculum on the road because we are mm-hmm. homeschooling. I mean, you have to yeah. see when you're not staying in one place. Sure. Um, and we don't have one. Mm-hmm. We do, yeah. We do reading every day and we do right. math every day. Right. Um, and everything else, they are learning. Like even yes. if I wanted them not to learn today, I couldn't make that happen because they're right. learning and they're getting exactly. Out. So I... I do love everything about that, but I love, it'll be interesting to see as your kids get older and start to realize yeah. what an empire you built, you know, and how they mm-hmm. interpret that. It'll be interesting. Really interesting to see. We'll reconnect in like 10 years and let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we go, I know we've dropped a bunch of links and of course I'm going to make sure to put those all in the show notes. Um, but for our listeners who are like, where do I get more Jessica? Where can people learn more about you and all of these courses? Well, like I said, JessicaZimmerman.com will be up and running March 1st, 2020. But until then, you can go to ZimmermanPodcast.com or you can go to ZimmermanEvents.com. 
and you can learn about all of that. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at Jessica Zimmerman underscore, <laughs> and we have we have everything on there as well. So, and I love that. How many Instagram followers do you have right now? I think just over thirteen thousand. Okay, which is I like that. As we talked, I know I'm jumping back, but as we talked, you mentioned you know when you just started, you had three hundred, and then you had. 600. I just don't want people to go to your Instagram account and see that 13,000 or whatever and be like, well, of course, you know, like you can right. start there. Um, so I think Absolutely. I love that you mentioned that along the way too. Thank yes, you yes. so much for joining me today. I feel like we went Thank way you. over the time I had thought we would. It's going to be a longer, meteor episode. Um, That's my fault. I just always, I just always talk too much and give too much. So sorry about that, listeners. No, it is easy when you've got a good story because I'm sure... Like, I didn't want it to end. It was a great story and lots of great advice in there. I really appreciate you being so willing to share it all with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was fun. That's it for today's episode of the Familypreneur Podcast. You will find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next week, I'll see you over in the Familypreneur community. Bye for now. Don't miss my mom's next episode. Subscribe to the Familypreneur podcast and automatically get access to the newest episodes every week. Mm-hmm.